the eye, the doctor's eyeball <laughs> when his head exploded uh, came flying out, and, and I think it hit the captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Welcome to Every Edition, the tabletop role-playing game talk show that's not limited to just one game, rule set, or style of play. We cover the latest incarnation of the world's most popular role-playing game, the old-school renaissance, and everything in between and adjacent. While we don't agree on everything, we do agree that rolling dice and assuming the roles of characters in a fictional setting is the greatest hobby in the world. Hello and welcome to Every Edition, your tabletop RPG talk show. I'm Jesse. I'm John. And today we are going to be looking at the Alien Starter Set Chariot of the Gods mini adventure. It's like a cinematic adventure in a very heavily spoilery way. Super spoilery. We're going to talk about everything. <laughs> We're going to talk about our thoughts about it, break it down, the story itself from a GM's perspective and a player's perspective. Yep. Um, we do have a spoiler-free review of this starter set in its entirety, uh, so you can go check out that if you want to uh, steer clear of spoilers. Yeah, plenty of coverage of the Alien RPG here on every edition, but as Jesse said, this is our experience having played the game. Uh, Jesse was the, was the GM, I was one of the players, and we're going to totally break down all three acts of... Um, of our experience with uh, Chariot of the Gods, super fun, and and oh my gosh, without giving too much away, uh, it was great. So we could, we could just start there. Uh, it was fantastic, um, Jesse. It was your first experience, right? Running Alien, yep. RPG. Uh, I have not run games that aren't Dungeons and Dragons uh, very much. Right. I, I, I've run uh, a little bit of Starfinder for like one person, and that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some Pathfinder. That was also weird. Uh-huh. But this is really my first like official um, non-D&D uh, sort of high fantasy yeah. stuff. And it, was, it was super fun. It was interesting to prep for, interesting to think about. And really cool to try to like you know set the mood because I like I like to be very wordy mm-hmm. and very flowery when I'm when I'm trying to set mood for things. Mm-hmm. And this gave a different you know y- you can talk about the cold hard you know steel of 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 a spaceship a little bit differently than you can like the the gross and dank dungeon that you're sort of sure, used to. Sure, sure. It's 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 a different headspace as a as a GM, but uh, it was really really fun. Great, yeah. It's uh, it was. I couldn't tell that that was you know the, the first time that you'd, you'd run something you know other than Dungeons and Dragons. But um, what do you think? How did this as it as a first time running a different game system? How does this compare to Dungeons and Dragons? So I think this was probably the best system that I could have used as a first non D and D system. Okay, you know I'm used to the seven dice that D and D has. I'm used to you know a d20 with advantage or disadvantage or whatnot yep uh free league uses their uh, year zero uh engine that has only d6s and they give you in the starter set they give you two different types of d6s um and that's it it's it's much more about atmosphere and role playing what the different people do their personal agendas and what what the characters want to do um it compared to D, 
it's not as math heavy or um yeah i, I don't know I, I guess you are you are still rolling dice sure but in a different kind of way and you sort of roll them like Yahtzee. You roll yeah. like 10 dice at the same time, <laughs> which also feels really good. Yeah. You're, you're not adding the dice together. You're, you're, they're sort of like you're looking for sixes. Yeah. Right? You're yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for success. Um, and so that makes it much more of it's, a, it's an image rather than a number. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you're, you're just looking. You know, the six could basically be anything. You're just looking for that particular symbol on the die to pop up and that many times when I'm like deep in a in a high fantasy role play setting Mm -hmm. and even like in the middle of combat or whatnot and I'm trying to be I'm trying to like monologue about you know whatever place you are whatever setting you're at (laughs) trying to set the mood a dice roll can really sort of break the immersion sure and can really slow things down because you got to look at your character sheet you got to look at see what your proficiency is you got to look to see what weapon you've got and, you know, most players, even if they've been playing for years and years and years, even the same character, they still have to look at their character sheet because sure. they haven't memorized everything or whatnot. Um, so this dice rolling in this game felt it, it didn't it didn't break anything. It yeah. was just sort of part of the game. You like pick up 10 dice, you roll them. Hey, there's <laughs> a six. Yep. Oh, there's a face hugger. Like, oh, God, what happens now? Right, right. And then everybody panics and laughs. And it's really fun. Yeah. Well, and from a uh, so from a player perspective. Rules light. I mean, it, mm. it it couldn't have been simpler to sort of understand and jump right into play, yeah. right? Uh, basically, as soon as you have your first roll, your first skill check, uh, you know, uh, that's it. Like, you understand the game. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's nothing else really to it. It's, it's one pretty simple, uh, you know, pretty simple game mechanic that really runs the whole the whole adventure. You succeed yeah. or you fail. And if you fail, you can roll the dice again, but you get a little bit more stressed out. Yep. And that's that's sort of the main, you know, uh, uh, builder in this game. You know, like, hearkening uh, back to the Alien movies, the the, I, the appeal of them is that they're very suspenseful, right. very spooky, very scary, <laughs> very interesting to look at. And, you know, in this game, we don't ha- really have much to look at. Yeah. So the dice are really what pushes forward that's that stress build yeah as as well as any atmospheric elements you add to it or the gm describing things yep um it, and it's and it's really cool when when somebody finally rolls a a face hugger when they've like been building stress mm-hmm. and someone finally does the panic roll and they're like oh no what does that mean <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> before anybody knows it was really really cool yeah all right, so how did you uh, let's talk about uh, preparation mm. for the game kind of get how did you how did you prepare to run uh, chariot of the gods so as I can't really speak for like a new DM for d and d but mm-hmm. I imagine if you were prepping for the d and d starter set it would be pretty easy to pick up and go because all the character sheets are sort of laid out pretty well. It tells you kind of like when to ask them to roll. Uh, it's a little bit handholdy. This game is not that. Okay. Um, it's actually pretty intensive when it comes to prepping for this, I think. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be, and even I, I still had to like flip through the rules a bunch of times. Uh, it kind of stinks having everything in one book. I think maybe it would have been a little bit easier to have it on like a PDF open multiple times so I could have multiple things at the mm, ready. Okay. Um, but prepping for it, the rules book that comes with this starter set 
is like over 100 pages. So it's like 120 pages or something like that. It's like basically the core rule book without the character creation, without a couple other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the systems like boiled down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it has a lot of the game already ready to go. So to prep for this, to make sure I had answers when questions came up, um, I, I was sort of looking through the adventure as I was reading to see, okay, well, I would need this rule when this comes up. So mm-hmm. I'll make sure I know this. Um, and then I just read through everything. Like there's there's some stuff about ranged combat that we never had to deal with yep. um, that I didn't think would come up. So I didn't really dive too much into that. I spent more time elsewhere. But uh, it is a lot of prep. If you want to you know, keep things going smoothly and keep mm-hmm. going like, you know, I'm a DM for hire, so I want the the client's time to not be wasted. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put as much effort as, into it as I can on the back end to make it seamlessly and effortlessly uh, yeah. uh, uh, when we're actually playing. Well, and I would <laughs> imagine some of the some of the time spent was the learning curve because it was a new game. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Right. So now if you've got uh, a, a, another cinematic alien adventure, you've got some stuff under your belt. Mm-hmm. You've got some things that you know how to do. And so it would be it would be that much easier to kind of prepare a second adventure. Definitely. Like definitely. That. I don't think that uh, this gives you any of the tools to create your own in any capacity. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it does lead itself uh, uh, to helping helping you with the other adventures, like the new Heart of Darkness yep. cinematic thing that uh, just got uh, up for pre-orders the yep. other week. Um, any of the cinematic or even the campaign book, I imagine, uh, will be much easier to prep now that I've got sort of the the, the system down and what you know Free League is trying to to push. Okay. So let's jump into looking at uh, each of the three acts. So we ended up having three gaming sessions, and it ended up being one session for each act. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to we're gonna break it down a little bit as to what happened in each of those acts and what was happening behind the scenes, preparing each of those acts, and then what it was like to be a player uh, playing those acts. So what was Act 1, Jesse? What was it all about? So for us specifically, it was for uh, mood, mm-hmm. uh, introducing the idea of the systems of the game, so stress and panic and rolling and things like that, and getting everyone, myself included, in, uh, used to uh, the game because uh, everybody at the table was used to Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. So we have to sort of sh- switch gears. Um, we had some atmospheric stuff happening. We had like moody lighting and like mm-hmm. the sounds of a droning ship. There's like alien uh, Spotify playlists that you yeah. can look for. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I actually highly recommend uh, if you have Spotify check out the alien rpg playlist that's on there it really is just sounds of a ship mm. with the occasional like, like kind of thing going on and it's it's uh it's you know it's like a soundscape it's not yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not really songs uh but it was terrific and it's it's like three or four hours long so it's mm. plenty long for a game session uh hit play and let it go and it really just it, it elevated the whole experience. I, I think thought. there was one time where uh, something happened like it stopped or it disconnected or whatever <laughs> and everybody would like took a quick second like wait this is weird yeah we need to put that back on my son was playing spotify uh, back at oh back home and it it knocked off the knocked out the connection for a second yeah but it did it was jarring yeah even though it's just like a low hum of a ship you notice when it's gone you notice when it's gone yeah because otherwise it's you're you're in it and that yeah that's sort of you know if you imagine yourself in like 
this sort of alien situation where you're you're out light years away from Earth or whatever on a ship, you're going to be used to those kind of sounds. So you're going to want those kind of sounds to be happening to sort of get your get your characters into yeah. the role play mind. Yep. Um, especially if they're coming from D and D, which tends to be a little bit more of like a hack and slash mm-hmm. type of thing. This game doesn't feel very hack and slashy, um, because if you do, you'll you'll die. Yeah, combat <laughs> combat's deadly. So we'll, we'll get there. So we'll get there. Uh, so so it's also oh uh, uh, everybody gets their own personal agenda, right? So spending a little bit of time um, with everybody, uh, uh, knowing what their personal agenda is, mm-hmm. how they're going to deal with that. And there's one personal agenda for each act. And it's sort of, uh, they, they change and mold as the story sort of progresses. Um, we also did some, like one of the, one of the characters is like the captain of the ship. And I did some like, Hey, let's go talk aside so I can give you some info that only the captain gets to know. Yeah. So then you can tell everybody at your own discretion. There's, there's room there in the first act uh, because no combat has happened yet, um, for more role play, mm-hmm. exploration, you uh, uh, you know you try to dock the 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 original ship onto this derelict ship that you find. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really your sort of first introduction to the rolling system. Yeah. Um, it felt like from a player's perspective, the whole point of Act One of that first gaming session that we had was just to kind of establish our characters and our and our relationships to each other. We had rivals. Yeah. There was a hierarchy with a captain and a pilot and, you know, then, then, then the sort of like, um, you know, crew workers and stuff like that. And so it was it was figuring out who's who and what's what and and, and how these things work. And, uh, and I thought you did a good job bringing the captain out mm. as sort of an important person and somebody that everybody really should be kind of turning to and and um, the, our person that was playing the captain did a did a great job. Yeah, I think so. We ended up having though the 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 game is set for five players. Yes, I think five players. And we had more than that. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did you handle that? We uh, what did you do? So we took one of the characters that I thought was I don't know not not least important but not most important. Like there can't mm-hmm. be two captains. Right. We took one character and we just used a second character sheet of that person um, and made them an android. There you go. So the book uh, does say that you can have one of the people be an android. Mm-hmm. That is like a, um, a, a a thing for conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically an android in the alien setting is, is not looked at kindly. Right. So if you want conflict, if you want to do some of the options in all of the acts, you can have one person be an android. And they have like a secret android personal agenda. Right. So we just said, hey, the extra person... Be the android. Yeah. And I was the android. <laughs> it was great. So one of the things that's cool about playing an android in uh, the Alien RPG is uh, you function as a regular character, including getting stress dice, mm. until you reveal that you're an android. And then all of a sudden, you no longer take on stress. Uh you can't push your rolls, which means you can't re-roll. Mm-hmm. So that's the bad side. Like, you only get one shot at something, one chance. But you're, like, super strong. Yeah, you get a lot of um, strength. You can get, you can, like, rebuild. Your HP goes in the toilet, though, too. So that's the other thing, too. Like, you only have, like two, two, you have two hit points, but you're super strong, and, uh, and you don't have to worry about stress, which yeah. is both good and bad. Um, so it was it was great. At the end of the first, um, at the end of the first act, my character revealed that they were an android because... It seemed like there was going to be a conflict with potentially another android, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. coming soon, and I wanted to, sh- uh, I wanted to tell them that 
you know, I was on their side and that and give them information about um, about what was potentially a bad. Android. So, yeah, your group, um, you found the uh, crew that was on the derelict ship yep. for in cryosleep for like 75 years. You found them, helped them, brought them back to your ship. And we had heard of like a couple of pings on the radar that there was some like somebody or something moving around that ship. Yep. And we sort of just assumed that it was their android because they had one too mm-hmm. um, that has been un, uh, not tended to in 75 years. Mm-hmm. And an alien, when a uh, you know an older model of androids doesn't get any sort of maintenance, they go crazy and they like start to kill people right. and things like that. So that was I read I read just the one page on androids in the Quick Start rules, and it it says uh, two things that older models of androids potentially don't have the failsafe to pr- uh, to stop them from hurting humans mm-hmm. and that the longer uh, an android goes without maintenance the the crazier it gets yeah. right and so those two things well this was going to be a 75 year old android that hadn't been worked on for 75 years there was like two reasons to think it was going to be crazy yeah so i revealed myself to tell everybody that information that i knew which wasn't much but it was enough to kind of prepare everybody to to be like hey uh i think I think we know what the next conflict is going to be. We need to prepare ourselves. And that builds trust in them, in you. Right. Because as players, they're coming from having watching the movies and they have some player bias of like, androids are bad. Yep. Uh, So you give them a little bit of trust. Yep. As well. All right. So let's move on to um, Act Two. Uh, The characters have established their relationships in Act One. They've met the other crew. Uh, we concluded with bringing the crew back to the original, sh- to our ship, yeah. to the player character's ship. And uh, we we kicked off uh, Act 2. And Jesse, what, you know, what's the what's the, the thesis, what's the reason behind Act 2? What's the goal here? Act 2 is establishing uh, a forward goal mm-hmm. of the party, what to do with the ship. And how to get it back or whatnot. You have a couple different new personal agendas, but mainly it's to introduce you to combat. Okay. Um, it's like sort of explicitly clear in the adventure. This is the first time combat comes up. You can have combat come up in the in the previous act, but that's like you know GM discretion. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, we had brought the doctor or the uh, the medical expert mm-hmm. of the derelict ship's crew that we saved back onto their ship to go look around for some uh, uh, some samples of this weird goo that they had found um, very very much like the alien movies sure and we had no idea what this weird goo was so we wanted to go talk to the expert and all the while he's having like hot flashes and headaches and itchy skin and sickness stuff <laughs> that you you know don't really want to be near so a yep. couple of people like kept their suits on right um so then we we took him to the uh, the science lab to to really see what was going on he said yeah there's there's some kind of infection or whatever here's some inoculations that'll save you from the infection of being in this ship and uh that's when the first combat happens uh, right after basically he inoculates you um, his head explodes, and uh, there were some pretty graphic uh, descriptions going on, um, and a blood burster like sort of rips out of his body, mm-hmm. um, and there was like a like a, a 
a baby alien kind of. It wasn't like okay. a neomorph or, or or a xenomorph or anything, but it was like a baby alien um, that we took, I think, a couple shots at, but didn't kill it, or maybe we did kill it. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but you can kill it there, or if you don't, it scurries away and, like, grows. Okay. Um, so that's really where the first combat is, and we sort of kicked off the second uh, act with that sort of sudden stressful moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, the entire time, you know, through Act 1 and Act 2, we had just been building stress so that when the first combat happened, everybody had stress. They were already stressed because, you know, they haven't been really sleeping. Um, they just found, like, a crazy ship. They've seen some dead bodies or whatever. They're stressed, and now they're in combat. That's even more stressful. Uh, so it just heightened the... Uh, the the adventure yeah you had a great descriptor and i don't know if it was in the book or if it was you ad-libbing but the the doctor's eyeball <laughs> when his head exploded uh came flying out and, and i think it hit the captain yeah 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 um, so some kind of thing to make everybody uh make their stress go up sure and that sure as heck would make my stress go up now right before the doctor's head blew up and we had our first combat though the doctor offered all of us uh, mm. a chance to be inoculated yeah, against yeah. whatever uh, whatever virus or whatever alien stuff was going on. And um, uh, everybody took... Uh, we, uh, he had three inoculations, and three of the crew uh, took the took the shot, yeah. uh, including the captain and uh, and two others. Um, and then after the after the inoculations were delivered, that's when the doctor's head head blew up he served his purpose he served his purpose (laughs) but then it was also clear like oh uh taking those inoculations was probably a mistake yeah um because he you know he was clearly showing symptoms of something (laughs) and shortly after that combat was when people started to have itchy skin and Mm. and and hot flashes and stuff like that so it it was kind of clear that the cryo sleep slowed things down with the progression of the infection, uh, but you guys aren't in cryo sleep. You're active. You're moving around. Right. You're heightened stress. You know, you've got your blood pumping. Um, so the infection's going to work a lot quicker on you. Um, also, in the uh, in the book, it says that everybody can get inoculated. Like there are enough for all of the players. Okay. But I chose for whatever reason, um, to only have a couple. I think I just rolled a die and said, hey, these are how many uh, there are. Who wants them? It seemed... Uh, so if there would have been enough for everybody, that would have felt sketchier. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like more, or more questionable. But the fact that there were only three, then the conversation was about, well, who's going to get it, mm-hmm. right? Which then sort of presupposes, well, we're going to use them. Sure. Right? So I think that was a smart... I think that was a smart change, too. But, it. Yeah, I don't... I think it creates more tension and more areas for heightened gameplay yeah. if you have a limited quantity of anything. Yep. Like a limited amount of water or air or whatever this, you yep. know. No, that, that seemed like a really smart, mm. really smart change because it was, it was, again, it was an opportunity to role play. Yeah. Uh, who's going to get it? And there was a little bit of, a little bit of infighting, a little mm. bit of like pulling rank. That's why the captain got one, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it was, it, it made you want to, use them mm-hmm. you know in a way that and there's definitely some you know you can you can play up the rivalries uh you like you said you can pull pull rank um there's there's not too too many opportunities for uh dives into role playing mm-hmm. uh but 
in the book. They they specifically say that uh, combat can occur between two people, okay. and <laughs> we don't want to we don't want to cross that. At least I don't really want to cross that line, but I definitely want to get up to that line. Yeah, and see see where that pushes the players. So how did Act Two conclude? What was the so the big crux of Act Two is the mother AI of the new ship. Uh-huh. Uh, and the old ship, I guess, having some sort of communication, knowing that the old ship has been found and has xenomorph goo. Uh-huh. Weyland Yutani wants that back on Earth so they can experiment with it because they want to be, you know, as as all of the alien movies, they want to be the people who discovered new life. Sure, they want to. Th- there's money in that, whatever. When uh, they want to weaponize it, they right? want to weaponize it. Yep. There's. Uh, useful things that they need in that ship and your first directive is to get that ship and anything you find as a Weyland yutani employee that is old property of theirs back to them but the mother ai for whatever reason on your original ship says sorry you've got 10 minutes i'm gonna explode Mm -hmm. so it's sort of like a fail-safe, I guess. Um, he wanted to force us onto the ship with the xenomorph stuff so that that was our only way to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. they really, really want that stuff back. <clears throat> yeah. So you're not going to go onto the ship that's going to explode right. and stay there because you're going to die. Right. Um, so the characters decided, and uh, there was still that group of the new NPCs mm-hmm. on that ship that they had brought in. Mm-hmm. Um they were just like locked in the cafeteria, right? Just like eating, you know, trying to wake up after seventy-five years or whatever. Yep. Um, they they decided to not tell them anything was happening. Um, and, uh, so so there's a couple of different things you could do. You could you could either have the ship go on autopilot, which it needs a piloting role um, to to get far enough away from the derelict ship to. Uh, like when it explodes, it doesn't hit the ship and do any damage to your ship. Okay. Um, or you can have somebody drive the ship and sacrifice themselves um, in the process of getting that ship far enough away. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took a different option because there is a sort of hidden third option um, of driving the ship far enough away and getting into a smaller shuttle ship that's only for like you know short range distances. Uh, and driving that and docking that back on the derelict ship. Right. And that's what we did. Yep. Um, so I, my character, the android, uh, who was loyal to the to the party, said, I'll do it because if I die, and I'm not, you know, no one, no life is really lost. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, So I got on the original ship, drove it away, jumped on the shuttle. I made all my rolls. Which I didn't fully realize at the time. Like, if I would have failed any one of those roles, again, because because I was an android, that would have been it. Yep. Um, so, very dangerous. <laughs> so very dangerous. But th- I made all the, I made all the roles I needed to make and got back onto the derelict ship with the shuttle, and our old uh, ship exploded. And uh, that was basically the end of Act Two. Yeah, right? that was the end of Act Two. We murdered like four people. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep, all the all the crew of the derelict ship was dead <laughs> on our ship. All right, yikes! So, <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk then about the, our our third gaming session, Act Three. Uh, we get together for one more time uh, to wrap this up. And so again, what's the what's going on behind the scenes? What's the point of Act Three? So 
As with all of the acts, there are different sort of paragraphs and key things that can happen during an act. Mm -hmm. You can choose whether or not you want to show people a dead body in the first act. But okay. there, there are points that need to happen. Um, the pirates and, uh, uh, you know, there's, of course, there's space pirates. <laughs> of course. Everything's, everything's valuable. You are yeah. hauling goods. There's a big explosion, whatever. This group of pirates were trailing you along your initial uh, uh, sort of voyage, mm -hmm. uh, probably going to steal whatever valuables you had in your original ship. Now seeing that there's a second ship, that's probably more valuable. They've decided to board and see what's up, try to take over, yeah. try to you know either kill whoever's there or coerce them into splitting some money and, and you know, blackmailing them, I guess. Sure. So between the pirates and trying to get this derelict ship working and getting home somehow is the main sort of goal of Act 3. Cool. Yeah, it was... Uh, the whole uh, adventure is structured to sort of ramp up. Yeah. So if the first act, you're establishing character, learning the rules, and, and figuring out your relationships and stuff. The second act, you have your first combat. And then the third act, there's a lot of combat. And it's you realize how deadly it is. Yes. Like that, so that first combat in act two with the, the head explodes and there's the baby xenomorph kind of thing, um, that was not particularly deadly as it turns out but as soon as you meet like the mama mm. well you know as soon as you meet the full-fledged uh neomorph. neomorph uh man they're tough they are tough they have a lot of hp uh they're resistant they have pretty high armor yeah and they do a lot of damage and they do like stacking damage yeah where like if they hit you once they will hit you again yep. for more damage and you, you know you're humans you have one and two hp right yeah my android got ripped apart yeah <laughs> uh, that was a and it was just bah, 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 that was it like you know it didn't um so uh, again maybe something a little bit different from if you're used to dungeons and dragons like combat's really to be avoided or done for at a distance yes yes uh, like you really don't want to engage uh, because, uh, yeah, my character uh, got ripped apart. <laughs> so I already had um, ideas in mind for how I wanted combat to go. Mm -hmm. I wanted you to see a full-fledged Neomorph, yeah. which, by the way, unfortunately, there's no stats or no uh, no appearances of, like, the Xenomorph mm -hmm. in this, but they are in the, like, actual rulebook. Okay. So it just happens that this one doesn't have any Xenomorphs, which I tried to find on the fly some Xenomorph stats, but I couldn't. Um, so I wanted a, a full-fledged um, uh, Neomorph, but I also wanted a couple of the people who were infected to turn into a uh, bubblehead, which is like the final evolution of yeah. the infection, to sort of turn on the party yep. and have them attack the party. So it was, it was a really cool combat scenario where a couple people, we also had the pirates to deal with as well. Right. There's a, a lot of things going on at once. It was very chaotic very dangerous um but a couple of people i switched them from being a player character to being a bad guy right and being an enemy so i gave them the enemy's stats yep and they were attacking the party and that was cool was yeah lot, as as their character yep well and then too you were able to use the space pirates as replacement characters when those either uh you know converted uh player characters were taken down 
or in the case of my character, when my character was destroyed, yeah. um, then you were, everybody was still able to keep playing. It was like, here's one of the space pirates. Yeah, and uh, we had enough of them where there wasn't really a time until like the you know the end of the game where there was only one or two people fighting. Like I didn't want to be the person who was controlling all of the bad guys, and just having a couple people sitting on the sidelines on their phone or whatever because their character died. Like I was like, no, here, here, you're the pirate. Now you're this person with these different agendas, like, let's go. We're in the middle of combat. Yeah. <laughs> Same initiative. Let's go. So it, uh, our, ours, uh, our game ended with uh, one uh, original crew member actually successfully taking the ship with the, with the alien material, successfully taking it back to Earth mm. uh, and getting into a cryo chamber. Uh, my android character was on that ship and would have been repaired and yeah. would have memory of, of most of everything that was going on. And then the pirates and a couple crew members uh, made it off on the pirate ship. Yeah. Um, and so the, the party was split, uh, but there were survivors. There were survivors. Um, and it was a... It was really... Uh, it really was satisfying and a lot of fun. I could tell the person that uh, got the alien material... Uh, back was really happy. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't really win in a role playing game, yeah, but yeah. they kind of won. You know what I mean? Like, and that you could you could see it. Like, it was it was cool. Um, so that was fun. But what? So how about let's uh, final thoughts, Jesse? What what uh, what's you know what what are you thinking? Uh, so this it's it's sort of a joke, like online. If you are introduced to a game that's not Dungeons and Dragons and you like it you'll start to see that there's more to life than Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh-huh. And I've played D&D solid mm-hmm. every every couple weeks for like the past seven years, never really having time to branch into other things. This, sure enough, is making me want to play not only more Alien, but other games as well. Other games yep. by Free League, other games that we've talked about on the channel. I, I really want to try more new things because I just realized how... Like, D&D's really fun. Yeah. I have a lot of established things with D&D. I have my own world. I have my my groups, a couple of books going on. But I really just want to try new things and see what experiences I can gain from those other things and bring them back to the games that I play. Yep. But I'm really excited to, to go forward with Alien in the other adventures, in the new uh, box set that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is this is also uh, going to be part of my arsenal that I offer for a DM for hire. Yep. Um, I've actually got another group set up to play this game. They're you know they've only ever played D and D for like the past thirty years. They've not really played anything else. So this is the first type of game uh, like this that they're going to be playing, and they've agreed to to let me run them through it, and it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So we're spreading the virus. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> no inoculations. No inoculations. <laughs> right. So, um, well, that's great. I, uh, I'm i really excited about delving a little bit deeper into Alien as well. Um, there's a lot of things in the game that we didn't get really get to. Mm-hmm. Like I had mentioned some ranged combat. There's some more things that can happen with uh, panic rolls that really set in the, the longer you play. Yeah. Um, so I think more than a couple sessions would be, uh, you know, the next thing that I would want to try. That's great. Well, and as a player, I mean, I would definitely play this again. Um, it, I don't, 
it, this isn't a game to me that would uh, replace Dungeons and Dragons, oh, sure. right? But it's certainly a game that I would want to play at least once a year, mm. um, and could definitely see it, you know, being like the Halloween game or somebody's birthday game sure. or you know some kind of special event or, or you know you're gonna you're gonna do something other than fantasy role playing. Mm. This is a great sci-fi alternative, and uh, it, it it it's really fun. I definitely want to play it again. Um, and like you, uh, it's because free league all uses the same, the same rules, the same kind of dice that year zero engine. It makes me curious about a lot of their other, uh, systems. And I'm hoping we're going to end up playing, uh, tales from the loop, yep. uh, as the next, uh, exploration of this, uh, mm-hmm. of this particular system, because it's supposed to be even rules lighter sure. than alien. Cause it doesn't have the stress dice, um, and so um, that's that's going to be probably coming up at some point in the future. We'll play that, and then if we do, we'll bring it to the bring it to the channel. So uh, I will say that this, from a from a GM's perspective, I'm not quite sure how it would be for a player. It might be a little weird, mm-hmm. but this game has at least the Chariot of the Gods in particular has a lot of replayability because you don't need to do everything in an act. Okay, if you only have time for one session you don't have three or two sessions worth of time you can really condense it and really speed things up and not do some of the sort of ancillary things like Mm -hmm. inoculating people or whatever Um, you can pick and choose what you really want to do so it it leaves things kind of open-ended and like the pirates that we dealt with in act three uh, do have sort of interactions with the npcs that are on the uh, derelict ship but they were dead so we didn't get to do any of that okay. stuff. So like, you there are options for that, um, and and you know, they they have uh, like their own agendas and their own uh, uh, thoughts on the pirates and wanting to push the players in one direction or another. So there is replayability from a GM's perspective and potentially from a player's perspective as long as they don't metagame too much. Thanks a lot, everybody. This has been a special edition of Every Edition, a game recap for Chariot of the Gods. Be sure to check out everyeditionrpg.com to find links to all of our socials, including links to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can always find our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, Send us a note everyeditionrpg at gmail.com if you played uh, Chariot of the Gods and want to talk about it shoot a note our way or if you have any questions about, uh, about the game or about the channel or suggestions for us uh, we'd love to hear from you mm-hmm. thanks a lot for listening and uh, we'll see you next time this has been Every Edition the tabletop RPG talk show contact us by emailing everyeditionrpg at gmail.com and we may feature you in a future episode Special thanks to the Elkars for providing all the music you hear on the show. Check out the Elkars album Bad Ends to hear all the songs featured in their entirety. Thanks for listening, and remember, it's not the edition you play, it's how you roll the dice. Mm-hmm.